Welcome to Mother Talks, a weekly podcast of open, real, heartfelt conversations about mothering that cover a range of topics including parenting, healing, spirituality, relationships, creative expression, nourishment, business, sexuality, childbirth, and more. I'm so glad you're here. I am your host, Rachel Alaya. If you'd like to learn more about me and the work I offer, you can head on over to my website at rachelalaya.love. That's R-A-C-H-A-E-L-A-L-A-I-A dot love. So go ahead, cozy up, and join me and my guest for this week's episode of Mother Talks available on all the main podcast platforms. Hi friends, welcome back. We're here again together for another episode. Thanks for being here with me. This is episode 16 of Mother Talks. And before I go into the introduction for this week's guest, I want to share briefly about a new offer that I have. This is Flourish. Flourish is an intimate four-month group program for those of you women ready to step more fully into embodied leadership so that you can show up fully, radically present to life, Root into what truly matters to you and live as the woman you were born to become. Think creative incubator meets spiritual refuge, meets high-level mentorship, meets mastermind accelerator. This is going to be a really beautiful time together and applications just opened. Applications will be open for another two or three weeks and our container officially opens to start mid-July. This is a program for high-performing creatives, female entrepreneurs, visionaries, mamas, daughters, dreamers, women, healers, and artists. So you can check out that offer over on my website at rachelalaya.love forward slash flourish. That's rachelalaya.love forward slash f l O-U-R-I-S-H. I look forward to receiving your application if it's something that resonates. Now to introduce our guest. This week I am joined by the beautiful Ashley Castro. Ashley is a free-spirited wild wife and rebel mama to three luminous daughters She works as a wealth and pleasure guide, supporting mamas to reclaim their connection to their sacred sensuality and abundance as their birthright. She is a free-birthing, homeschooling, paradigm-shifting human who's passionate about holistic health, sacred economics, regenerative agriculture, plant medicine, honoring cycles, sexuality as life force energy, empowered birth, connected parenting, and union with the divine. Mm, yes. You can find her over on Instagram at home in the hive 
or over on her website at www.wildhive.love. Ashley and I's conversation circled primarily around the topic of time. So we covered a lot of ground, but this was the primary anchor point for us. Time. Time as mamas, time as entrepreneurs, time as homekeepers and wives and women. I hope you enjoy this episode just as much as I enjoyed making it. Ashley, my girl, thank you for being here. I'm just, I'm feeling really excited and juiced up for our conversation. (laughs) And uh, yeah, thanks for being here with me. Mm, Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I'm feeling the same and it feels like it's been a long time coming for you and I to drop in because we connected, goodness, I don't know how long ago through Instagram, that beautiful portal of connection we connected through. And then when my family came down to Puerto Vallarta last year, we talked about connecting and there was sort of a missed connection there, which now I'm like, oh gosh, we've we've grown so much closer since it feels. I'm like, oh, but we're coming back. We'll be back down there soon. Nice. Um, And we'll have to connect. And so yeah, it just feels like I'm, I'm really grateful to be here and it's been lovely to be connected with you and to see I'm so inspired by you and everything you're doing in this podcast. And this is my first podcast. So I feel like that surprises me actually. <laughs> like I'm really surprised that you haven't been on a podcast before. Like you're so podcast worthy. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well to that, what I will say is something I've really learned or I've been learning over the past, I don't know, while now um, well, since I read the book, The Big Leap, which we meant we were talking about before we started the recording here, um, you know, with the first time I read that book four or five years ago, the author makes mention about living in your zone of genius mm-hmm. and really being willing to only say yes to things that you feel are within your unique zone of genius. And so I have been invited to podcast before and it just never felt a 100% yes. And I really just go for that 100% yes. So when you said, do you want to be on my podcast? It's just mother talks. And there was this very open-ended feeling to it. I was like, well, mothering is where I find most of my mastery in life. So yes, let's talk about mothering and whatever else that might lead to talking about. It's one of my greatest passions in life is being a mama. So here yeah. I am on your podcast. Okay. Well, now I feel very honored that you said yes. Um, <laughs> that's why I was surprised. I was like, really? No one's asked you to be on your podcast? But no, I'm kind of the same way. I <clears throat> I don't know. I, I don't want to say I'm particular, but like I definitely appreciate the invitation in the way that you framed it around like staying in your zone of genius and also like really being able to like drop into, for me at least, drop into the body and feel if it's like a yes, you know, I'm a, I'm a generator in human design. So I feel like I often have to like sit with something for a moment and like let it marinate 
and mm -hmm. like digest a little bit and see like, okay, does this, does this feel like it lights me up? Does this feel like it nourishes me? Does it feel like it's a, does it feel like it's a yes, you mm -hmm. know? And goodness, like being a mama, being a woman, being a human being growing up in these times, mm -hmm. I feel like that's so like core and central to at least my own process of like maturation of like being willing to like set aside what I've been handed as like, oh, this is how you have to do it. Or this is the thing you have to do. Or like, this is the way, way you have to do it and be like, huh, does that, is that true? <laughs> Is that true? Mm -hmm. Do I do I really have to do it like that? Or is there another way? Like maybe my body already knows a different way and I can trust that. It does. It, it does. It really does. And I love that you bring that up, listening to the body and human design. Okay. My mind is like, <laughs> I have a things to share in response, but oh, so beautiful. Um, with listening to the body, it's definitely a practice that motherhood has certainly supported me to cultivate more deeply because there's nothing like pregnancy and birth and postpartum that connects you with your body, right? You just meet your body in a way like never before through those times. And so it's so beautiful to learn and to use motherhood as an opportunity to learn how to listen to the body and to take a moment to pause. And a further practice I'll do is because sometimes we're blocked from listening to the body if our gut is compromised, if we're, you know, there's so many things can lead to disconnect from the body. So one of the, so, but oftentimes we're very active in our mind. So another practice I'll bring in, sometimes when I'm feeling that body disconnect and can't find that quiet space, is I will just say, when all the chatter is going on and all the this or that, or do I want to do this? Or what's my answer here? I just say, truth. I like clear the air with the word truth. Mm. truth who does this belong to like the desire to say yes the desire to say no the desire to shrink back the desire to get bigger who does that belong to does it belong to me or does that belong to I'm getting full body goosebumps right now does that belong to my grandmother does that belong to my father does that belong to some other influence from society, some story that I adopted. And in this moment, you can just know it's not your own. Sometimes when you do that practice, truth, who does this belong to? And orient yourself back to your own wisdom, your own guidance. And so I, I just love that. I just love that so mm, much. Mm, mm. Yeah. I was yeah. getting goosebumps as well as you were describing that. I just actually read a book called It Doesn't Start With You. I don't know if you've heard it. Mm, I've heard of it. Haven't read it yet. Amazing. Okay. So, so it's, yeah, it's really powerful and very interesting. And it talks about ancestral memory and trauma and how it like, shows up in your bloodline and repeats certain themes or ideas or stories. A few years ago, I spent a lot of time on Ancestry.com before I kind of went down a rabbit hole and, 
ended up deleting my whole profile because I was like, I don't want, I don't want these companies to have my information. Like, no, thank you. But I did get quite a lot of information and I was really grateful for that. And the other day I sort of like pulled up, I like hand wrote out my family tree at one point and I like pulled up a f- the family tree that, that I had written out and I started tracing because I've been thinking a lot about like my mother line and I was like tracing back and like, I like wrote this list. It might even be right here in front of me. Um, yeah. Like this, this, this mother line, right? Like mm-hmm. I am, I am Rachel Alaya, the daughter of Susan Robin, the daughter of Enid Boleyn, the daughter of Mary Leona, the daughter of Sarah Angeline, the daughter mm-hmm. of Sarah Elizabeth, the daughter of Eliza Ann. So, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, amazing. So being yeah. able to like, mm-hmm. being able to like locate yourself in the grand scheme of things and also in time and space, <clears throat> like feels so potent and powerful to be able to say, Like, this is where I've come from. This is where I'm going. This is where what what I'm going to leave here. Like, I'm not going to carry with me. This is what I'm going to take forth. This is what I'm going to alchemize. This is what I'm going to honor. Like, the grief process is so big for me in that. Just to be, like, grief as nothing else other than, like, presencing what's, been lost you know and goodness I could go down a whole you know (laughs) a whole direction with the grief piece but we we started talking about this book before I pressed record called the what was it called the great leap it's called the big leap by gay okay (laughs) the big leap and You're talking about time, and I feel like I want to talk about that a little bit. (laughs) Yes. Because as mamas, I feel like this is, uh, can I just say, like, for a couple years, I was, like, almost obsessively trying to, uh, like, I don't know if it was, like, schedule everything, but, like, find a way to to like have there be time for everything. Yes. Right. And like time management, what's the system that's going to crack the code? Mm -hmm. I was like on Pinterest almost Mm -hmm. every day. Like what are your schedule? Like looking at mommy blogs and schedules and being like, how do people do it? Like, I want to know. And I would like ask my friends, like, what do you spend your time doing? Cause that's like so interesting to me for some reason. I'm like, Moment by moment, tell me what the hell you're doing. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Yeah. Ah! I mean, and like this, but this idea that you brought up around time being malleable and time being like something that we create and is almost like illusory based on the way that we focus our attention and our intention. Yeah. 
Okay, so this is one of the questions that I have received the most since I started sharing my life um, on the internet, through blogging, through social media, through Instagram. When I was pregnant with our first daughter, she is getting ready to turn nine. So it's been almost 10 years ago that I started sharing on Instagram. And um, we have done a lot over the past 10 years. And currently there's a lot going on. My husband and I run our own businesses. We, um, I, I, oh my goodness, if I go into the whole list, like it's quite a lot of things that we manage and that we do. And I get that question all the time of how do you have time to do all of this? How do you even, ha- I barely even have time to, you know, connect with my partner. How are you having time to connect with your partner? Um, I think it's important to add, like, we've chosen a certain lifestyle that takes a lot of time. We homeschool our kids. We work from home. We have our own businesses. We have an alternative relationship dynamic where we're polyamorous. So we also have other people included in our relationship. We date. We also are really big on community. I lead Moon Lodge at my house once a month and do women's circles. We have a lot going on. And the question I get all the time is, how? I remember somebody sent me a message one time on Instagram when we when we came out, and this is even still a growing edge for me to share about, even though we came out about it a couple of years ago, about being polyamorous. And where somebody responded and they were like, I'm, I don't even know how to wrap my mind around this simply because of the factor of time. So let's talk about time. <laughs> yes. Okay. So time, something that so many mothers feel constrained by, even if you don't have all of these different things going on in your life, gosh, it feels so time consuming just to have a child right? Just to get through the day sometimes is the point of overwhelm with time where we feel. And, you know, if you're a mama, just put your hand on your heart. If you've ever felt like you were in a battle with time, (laughs) (laughs) right? This war with time, there's never enough time. There's no time for myself. Actually, let's just get, get all of it out. That is the, all the stories. There's never enough time for me I have no time to take care of myself. All of my time goes to my children. All of my time goes to this household. All of these things that keep us feeling so small and so disempowered. But those feelings are true. So we can let them move through us. And now I want to invite in a new concept of time. And this concept of time that's introduced in this book, The Big Leap, is that rather than this Newtonian physics, which says we are at odds with time, we can step into this Einstein physics, this concept that actually we are the creators of time. Hmm. There's actually no time shortage because time is something that we have created. Hmm. Time is something that we have the power to speed up or to slow down depending on our state of being. If your hand is on fire, one minute is going to feel like eternity. But if you are in a beautiful, juicy state with your lover, one hour feels like a second. So how is that possible? Like that right there shows us that time is malleable. That right there shows us that time is actually a feeling more than anything. Yes, the sun is setting. Yes, they're only right, that whole thing. There are only a certain number of hours in the day. But so what? We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of our lives. Why are we talking about a day? So if we mm-hmm. zoom out, 
and we think about time in this more expansive way, and we think about our relationship with time of not the days or the years, but how am I showing up moment to moment with my presence? Hmm. So a great example with this is we feel a rush to get our kids in the car to get somewhere. We feel this rush to be on time to these certain things. But like what happens if you're late? Like what really is going to happen? Is it worth the stress and the trauma that we're already inducing on the nervous systems of our children to give them these constraints of time of like, hurry up or even even sticking to a bedtime. So when you, when you look more into this, this is what I'll say about it. I'm not going to go into the what is Newtonian time, what is Einstein time because there's a lot of there is a lot of science and physics there. You can read the book. You can you can look at it look it up. I just want to talk about how it has changed my life. Please. And and then I'll turn it over to you for your thoughts on on this yeah. and any other questions or anything, but how it has changed my life is I used to feel that crunch of time, that pressure of time. There's never enough time. So when I read this book and introduced this concept, here's how it changed it. He said, um, the author talks about time management systems. Oh, and I've used so many of them. Time management systems, asking other moms, okay, so like, do you get up at a certain hour and then have this certain amount of time for yourself a day? And how do you time out your day? When do you do your homeschool lessons? When do you do this? How do you do this? Like, when do you have time for dates? When do you have time for that? <laughs> so I have kind of thrown out all of my time management systems. I'm in the process. It's an undoing. It's an unlearning. <laughs> I still try to go back to them at times. It's like, maybe that's a lifeline. But then I'm like, no, forget the time management systems. Put them back in the drawer. Full presence. Hmm. is the key to cultivating joy. Cultivating joy and ease in my body is the key to unlocking time, feeling like it's on my side, like I create it. So, okay, I don't need a system. I need presence. For presence, I need breath. Hmm. Breath creates like the spaciousness. And in the spaciousness is where time starts to expand. I'm currently, for example, busier than ever and feel the most spacious. And like, I actually have the most time. I'm like, what else can I do? <laughs> what else can I fit in? <laughs> because I'm just learning to be in the present moment and to know also and to trust when my schedule is actually too full. When I'm actually going into martyrdom and victimhood that says do more, when I'm actually pushing more into that, I trust my wisdom and I trust that I will full stop, erase every single thing on my calendar for a whole week and just do nothing so mm. I can feel the spaciousness I need to feel. Mm. All right, Rachel, that's what I got on time. What do you think? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I have so many thoughts, so many ideas. Um, well, it's, it's interesting. What actually first came to mind, cause you were talking about like the feeling of being rushed. And I feel like that is so triggering for me. <laughs> like, oh my God, I felt <laughs> when, when I feel rushed, I am like not a nice person. <laughs> 
I am not a nice person. I don't, I don't do well. And so I've learned because I know that, that I cannot, um, I cannot do that to myself. I cannot impose that upon myself. And it's obviously taken a lot of uh, mistakes and like failures in order to figure that out and like navigate what it means to like live and not be in a rush, you know? But I feel like, goodness, I feel like a lot of my conversations go to the place of like, having removed myself from many of the dominant social systems that we exist within and like being very much on earth's time has done incredible things for my body and my nervous system and my ability to actually slow down time in a different way Mm -hmm. and experience the nourishment that exists in the beingness of life Mm -hmm. and I'm realizing as you were also talking that I was having these memories come up because I've grown up very multiculturally like I was born here in Mexico but I grew up in the United States And I also spent my formative years in Hawaii and Mm. all of those places like California and New York city I've lived. And, you know, they've, they all have like their own concept of time. And that's really interesting to me too, is like where Mm -hmm. in the world you find yourself has (laughs) its own time, right? Has its own like space time continuum wherever you find yourself. And for instance, a place like New York, well, I would walk down the street and if there was someone who is slightly just a little bit slow in front of me, it was like, oh my God, get out of the way. Like I have places to go and people to see and things to do, you know? And then in a place like Hawaii, you're like on island time where, you know, everyone's a bit more casual Mm -hmm. and, you know, they take their time to get places. And then here in Mexico, it's like next level Mexican time, right? Where I'll give you a funny story to back that up because I had just moved back here and what I was, what I thought was temporarily. And I met my now husband. We originally met through Tinder So we matched on Tinder Mm -hmm. and we, we like tried to make plans to see each other and hang out, but it never quite materialized. But we ended up like running into each other multiple times, like in the street. And so then after like one of those times, he texts me and he's like, I am, I'm having a birthday party. Like, I want you to come to my party. It starts at 5 p.m., We're going to watch the sunset. He like lived in this really beautiful place. So actually really close to where you guys were staying um, near like Ms. Maloya. Mm -hmm. And he was like, come, we can watch the sunset and I'm going to have my friends come and it'll be great. And yeah, it starts at five. So the day rolls around and I like really didn't want to go. 
I was feeling like very trepidatious. I was like feeling kind of antisocial. And I'm like, I don't know this guy. I don't know any of the people that are going to be there. Like, ugh, just not in the mood. Yes. Not, not a vibe. Mm-hmm. So I remember I texted my, or I called my dad and I was like, yeah, I'm feeling kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go. He was like, oh, that means you definitely have to go. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thank you, life coach. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and then I texted a friend of mine and I sort of said the same thing. And she was like, why don't you like go to the gym and work out and then decide? Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, that's, that's a decent yeah. proposition. <laughs> so I went to the gym and I was like, I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go. So in my mind, I say, I'm going to just, I'm going to show up fashionably late, you know? which in my mind at that time was like, you know, hour and a half late, mm-hmm. late, big air quotes. Yeah. So I went and I picked up, a, picked up a bottle of wine and, you know, got in a cab because I wasn't sure taking the bus and everything had to get there. So I took a cab there. I show up at 6.30 and I walk in and the only person there was Alberto's neighbor who was like 65 at the time from Colorado. <laughs> Charlie and I get there and I'm like where's the party like what happened to there being a party and like so I end up like being the translator between Alberto and Charlie because like at the time Beto didn't speak any English and Charlie didn't speak any Spanish and so we ended up like sitting there watching the sunset and then like slowly friends of his started to kind of trickle in like at eight. Some of his friends literally didn't come till 1130 at night. Oh, yeah. And so, (laughs) and so my idea of like fashionably late was early by Mexican standards. So over the course of my relationship, I, I was always back in the day, like the person who shows up five minutes early to everything. I'm like, oh, I have to be there at 1130. I'll be there at 1125. Just make sure, Mm -hmm. you know. And then I got together with Alberto and it was like, we couldn't, (laughs) we couldn't be on time to like save our life. Like there were times where we would show up to a party, like literally two hours late. And I would be like mortified. Like, why are we even going? Like, I feel so awful showing up like this but it was like kind of no big deal because it's it is what it is you know whereas Mm -hmm. like the story that I have about it is like this is so rude like this is like uncalled for like I'm violate I'm like violating people's time by being late and blah 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 Mm -hmm. and you know like there's a time and a place yeah but that, that story came to my mind because it it really like it had me like really reflect on and renegotiate my relationship with like being on time and the story that i had about like why like how that reflected on me as a person and like being a good person Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something to that around like this obsession with like scheduling everything and being like 
having these time management systems, you know, as we might say like, okay, the story is like hyper productivity and you might like blame it on capitalism. But like, Mm -hmm. I think going even a little bit deeper than that, I want to say that it has to do with like a deeper, almost like existential desire to be good. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, yeah, to all of that first, thanks for sharing your story because I love it and it's cracking me up. You know, I'm also married to a beautiful man from Mexico. And I got a whole new introduction to a a, a brand new introduction to a concept of time when we got married. And I have also just so many stories, Um, (laughs) so many stories on that and the being late. Oh, my goodness. Right. All of that. Um, And I really had to kind of stop and evaluate what my relationship was with time. And so to your point of this concept of goodness, I hear what you're saying. And I do believe that for many people being on time was always introduced to us as a concept of, it was a good thing, right? Who doesn't want to be, you don't want to be late, like always be on time, be on time to an appointment, be on time to this. So at the heart of it, maybe there's good intentions, but I think what also comes into play here is taking, I'm going to take it like a step deeper in this okay. also, this also plays into Newtonian time, this concept that we're in a battle with time. Mm. So there's actually this heart doctor that wrote a book, something, oh goodness, um, don't quote me on this, but it's something to the extent of a type and the heart. And it's this, the study that this heart surgeon um, did on patients with heart issues and how that related to a personality that they had Hmm. and how a desire to master time, this fight for time was always very present with them. And if you Hmm. dig deeper into that, what is there? It's a deep fear of death. Hmm. Our society has such a fear of time running out, the scarcity of time. How much time do we have left? How much time do we have left with those we love? So when that starts, when you take it that deep, right? I usually push everything to death, right? It's all about like birth, death, or sex. Like <laughs> it comes to one of those, one of those energies, right? Like birth, death, and creation. So we are so afraid to die as a society, we are, we are just so, so terrified of death, both physical death and the energy of death, transformation, all of that, that I feel like time gives us a way where we feel like we're controlling it a little bit. Mm. So if we lose that sense of control of time, if we're not on time, right, if we're not managing the time, if we're not honoring other people's time, are we toying with death? <laughs> Are we, are we messing with these precious, scarce moments that we have? Like that is one posture 
that I think a lot of people are walking around. If you were to ask the question and ask the question and ask the question and dig deeper and deeper, it would probably get to like, I'm terrified of dying and that time is going to run out. And therefore I'm like obsessed with time and how my time is either being taken away from me or there's never enough time or the, the things that do feel good. It goes, the time goes by too quickly. Yeah. So I think a lot of conflict with time is our conflict with death in some ways. So maybe that's taking it to an extreme, but that's where my mind goes. <laughs> okay. Okay. You took it there. No, but it makes sense. Thank you for presencing that. Mm-hmm. Um, oof, yeah, I feel like I want to like let that resonate let it, within let me. Let it sit. Yeah, just let yeah. it. It can just it can just wave out into the ether. You know, those are my thoughts and ideas. So that can just whatever you know lands lands, and whatever doesn't, it will find its way out. Yeah, but bring it back just a little bit to very basic concepts of mothering in time. Um, Or especially I think of all the moms, you know, I've spent the past six years doing business coaching for moms and time is one of the biggest things we talk about and how to manage that time and how to utilize that time. And so there are, of course, certain tips and tricks that have helped me. It's not to say that every system is just useless. Right. I often, you know, it's, it's great to pull from things to give ourselves structure when we need it. And structure is great. It's like training wheels. And then you learn how to get in that flow on your own and how to just mm-hmm. ride the bike. And I think mm-hmm. time is the same way. So when you become a new mom, especially, or you decide to take on a new project or you're in a new phase of mothering, oftentimes it feels like we get our training wheels or your kid's in a different phase of life and all of a sudden the sleep schedule totally changes. Well, now the training wheels go back on. You, but It's a little wobbly, but just trust like you were born for this and you figure it out. Those training wheels come off and you get in that rhythm. And I've found that what makes that whole inevitable process of growth of training wheels momentum, training wheels, momentum, you know, I think just coming back to presence, coming back to just presence and joy. And that for me is again, what slows down that time. And when joy feels inaccessible for me, it's coming back to gratitude. Mm -hmm. So I'm just getting this download to just share this. I'll just say, because if there's any moms that are listening that have like little babies, when you're trying to put those little babies down for a nap, like I could just cry right now thinking of having like a toddler waiting for me and a baby you're trying to put down for a nap. And that feeling of time is, can be crushing in that moment of like, will you please just go down? Like I, like it's getting close to being like dinner. And like, if this nap doesn't happen, right? Like, wow. Like who would think that Something as simple as a nap would just take so much emotional, mental energy. Mm. So in those moments, I can remember of like being a really, really young mom, um, this practice of just focusing on gratitude so that I would not spiral into the isolation, into the overwhelm, into the exhaustion. And this would just be looking around my room, the room that I was in, or if it was dark, closing my eyes. And just, it's so simple, but it's so powerful. Finding things that I can say thank you for. Mm -hmm. 
thank whatever when we start to say thank you, there's a vibrational shift that is so powerful. Yeah. So I would even just if I couldn't even find something to say thank you for because I was so in the depths of it, I would literally just say the words gratitude, 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 gratitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And like sometimes I would just start weeping of just that release of I'm actually so grateful for this moment. I'm actually so blessed to be alive. Those words, like those were lifelines for me in those early times of mothering when it's just so all consuming that time disappears completely and you're just in that portal of, (laughs) well, you only know if you've been there. And so you know what I'm talking about. So those are my anchors and my lifelines to kind of coming back into spaciousness and expansion deep breaths and gratitude. So we'll pull it back a little from death and go to deep breaths and gratitude. (laughs) We go a lot of places in this podcast. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. hmm. Thank you for, for sharing that story. And I mean, as we, as we got on this topic of time, like I, I had to put my baby down for a nap mm-hmm. and I was looking at my clock and I was like, Oh my God, I have seven minutes till I'm supposed to get on with Ashley. And I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think this is going to work. And so then it was like two minutes and I was like, okay, I have to make a decision. Cause I don't think the baby's fully asleep. I can't like crawl out from under him yet as I'm breastfeeding. So I said, all right, screw it. The baby did not go down for a nap. (laughs) I handed him to his dad. Thankfully, I have the ability to do that. And I said, sorry, I couldn't get him to sleep. I have, I have a call now. So I'm going to go do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there was that moment of like panic, like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> mm-hmm. And yes. as you were talking too, I was, I was remembering when I had like a breastfeeding aversion with my oldest, I actually had a good at least six months, maybe nine, maybe longer where I had like a physical, like I was tapped out from breastfeeding and I was like, there were times when I would lay lay there with him to put him to sleep or down for a nap and we would be breastfeeding and it would feel like I was like crawling out of my skin. Like it was Mm. so physically uncomfortable. And I like really wanted to keep breastfeeding. Like my mind and my heart were like, you got to just do this. Like suck it up. <laughs> and I lasted quite a, quite a long time. I breastfed my oldest till he was two and a half. So not terribly long, but you know, a good a good That's chunk of time. That's a long time. And I can just remember like in those moments where it felt like time was so slow when I was so uncomfortable. 
that I would just, it wasn't gratitude. It wasn't thank you. I wish it kind of wish it was, but it was like just counting, just counting to 10 and then just starting over again and counting to 10 again and doing it again and again till he was asleep and I could, you know, go on my merry way. But you know, there, there are ways what I feel like that does. And I've been thinking about it, like, as we've been having this conversation about time is that we get stuck in our heads so often. And I feel like that really slows down time or like does things to time. I don't know if it slows it down, but it does things to it. Right. And what I've been thinking a lot about, like in my business, in my life is like, we can spend so much time thinking about doing something and not actually doing it. And it takes up so much of our bandwidth, so much of our like energy, so much of, so much of us is just in the thinking, in the like, oh, blah, 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 like going through the scenarios in the head and trying to figure it out when actually like, it's just, it's like keeping us stalled in so many ways. It's keeping us like, I don't even have a word for it. Like, but I've been just noticing like, okay, could I actually be doing some of this? Could I actually be like moving myself and my body through space and creating what it is that I'm cogitating on and running around in my head all the time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and not using all of my energy to like think so much about it? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is yes. Um, This is a perfect, like, I was wondering, there was something at the very, very beginning of this conversation and, um, we kind of moved from it and I was like, if it's meant to be circled back around to, it will. And you just brought in the most perfect thing, (laughs) right? Um, this idea, exactly what you're saying. How much time do we spend thinking about something rather than actually doing it? And then we feel like we've spent so much time doing that thing. So when I was doing business coaching for all these years, one of the things I would um, ask all the women I was working with is to give me an idea of what their actual income producing activities were and looked like, right? Like what, what activities are you doing that are actually bringing in the income versus how much time are you just spending thinking about it? Because so often it was like, well, I'm thinking about doing this and I'm thinking about starting this and I'm thinking about making this. It's like, okay, love the ideas. Now we just need to act. And there's so many things we could go into like, there's so many things that keep us from from acting, right? We all have our own hangups, usually rooted in some fear, but we all have our own reasons why we spend more time thinking. And then this this is so related to time because one of the ways we give our power away to time is by not having enough self-awareness to see the ways that we are wasting time. We're squabbling time and not not wasting. I don't believe time is wasted. You know what I'm saying. So, um, distracted, distracted. Exactly. Yeah. So this thinking, this thinking space that we go in where we're thinking so much about it. Okay. I can share a really personal recent story on why I realized that I do this. 
Um, and it was pointed out to me, and this is going to circle back around to what you brought up about human design at the beginning. You said human design and how you, you're a generator. And so, you know, you, you mentioned that. Um, so then we talked about the podcast thing and how I'm only saying yes to certain things. Okay. Well, there was another part to that story. So, okay. Okay. And it has to do with this overthinking. For me, it's overthinking. Um, so I have actually wanted to start my own podcast for a long time, for years. People You've been, been thinking about it. I have been thinking about it and talking about it, planning on it, right? Like planning it. Like what have I been doing? Just thinking about it. Just yeah. talking about it. Just telling Oscar <laughs> we need to buy another microphone. Like, you know, for since I was pregnant with Ori, I think, like three years. And that was one of the reasons why I would often also say no to podcasts is because I was like, I'm going to do my own podcast. Like I want people to listen to my podcast and get the information there. So it's actually also me going into scarcity of like, mm. which we can so often do time, scarcity, all of this mm. lack mentality where like, well, I don't want to go on that podcast and share that because like they should come to my podcast. And so I often get stuck in not creating because I want it to be perfect. I want it to be this way. I want it to be that way. And then what often ends up happening is you see other people going on and creating stuff that you wanted to do. And then you get in that cycle of like, oh my God, like I had that idea. Like, <laughs> you oh know, like, oh honey, but you didn't do anything with it. So I'm learning more. And I, and since I transitioned, you know, and I, I'm, I left the network marketing job I've been doing for all these years and I'm transitioning, I'm learning more to just act and not, not overthink, not really spend time contemplating it so much. I'm like, I'm just going to do it. It's better done than perfect. And mm. it's been really rewarding to be in that space of just really spending the time doing it rather than thinking about it. Ugh, hashtag relatable. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. I have so many like thoughts about this. Uh, it feels like almost emotional because I've so been in that position where you've thought about the thing and you've planned it and you've thought about it and you've planned it and then you see someone else doing it and you're like, oh. <gasps> that could have been me, but I was yes. over here yes. planning it. Can I share a really raw, real story about that? Sure, please. Okay, I'm going to get so real because usually I don't share things until they've been fully processed and integrated for like a while and it's like way in the past, but this is like fresh, so, but I'm feeling yeah. called to share. Okay. You made mention of being able to feel it so palpably in your body when you had this thought of seeing other people, I'm guessing probably especially women, seeing other women do things creatively or in their expression or with their business or whatever it may be and having that thought or feeling of, oh, I was going to do that or like I was going to do something similar to that. Like, ah, like they did it first or they, did, they, they took it from me or like that feeling that we can have that comes up that can really keep us feeling small and feeling also that constraint of time, because usually then the, the inner dialogue that follows was, 
you're not good enough. You didn't do it fast enough. You don't know the right people. They're more this, right? Like they have a bigger following than you. They're better at this than you X, Y, or Z. And then you beat yourself up. And then like, you don't even want to have ideas after that because it didn't go well to have a fun, creative idea in the first place. Um, or even to not even, not even talking about big business ideas or big business launches. Let's just talk about something as simple as like, you see a, a woman who is just dancing in her kitchen. And then you're like, Oh, like I've been thinking about getting into dancing and, um, like I stopped doing that, you know, or, or I didn't do it. And then like, you don't dance because you got caught up in your head about like how she's more like she's embodying herself and you, you meant to do it. And you, you even bought new gym clothes. Right. And like, she did it first. Like there's all these weird ways where we can get into scarcity around time and scarcity around, you know, creation and scarcity with other women and other mamas, especially in this boom of right. Mamapreneurs, right. It's like, <laughs> so there's just like everybody on Instagram now is a businesswoman, which I love. I'm here for it, yeah. but it can bring up a lot of those feelings. So the vulnerable story I want to share is just, I'm sharing it to offer an alternative of how we could respond when we find ourselves in those situations of feeling like we were left behind, we didn't do it fast enough. Somebody had the idea, like whatever, all that scarcity that keeps us small. So I have been working um, really passionately and completely in love. Um, I've been working in the industry of network marketing for seven years and it's been amazing. I've absolutely loved it. And recently I made the big decision to take a leap, step out of that work, start my own platform, my own online community, and something I really feel called to talk about more and to share about is um, sexuality, sensuality, pleasure, how we are so disconnected from it, how it's so taboo, and just reconnect with it, how we can support people, especially mothers, to reconnect with, reclaim our pleasure, all of that good stuff. So I'm working behind the scenes. I've already kind of pre-launched it um, through my Instagram, but I've been working on a project called Juiced, a wild pleasure guide. And it's going to be all about, you know, reconnecting with our pleasure. And my plan is to interview people and have all sorts of juicy content and embodiment exercises and practices. So while I'm creating all this behind the scenes and in my process of ideation and journaling, Katya was working on and releasing Katya Nova, uh, nurturing Novas on Instagram for me who doesn't know her was um, working on the confessions of a well-nourished woman project and was releasing that. And she and I had connected on Instagram years ago, had kind of lost touch, but we reconnected over that. Resparked our friendship. I was so like in love with her project. I was an affiliate for it, just cheering her on. And it was getting me more and more excited for my project. And so I hadn't released my project yet. She had just finished releasing hers. And then I get a message from her on WhatsApp. And she's like, hey, Ashley, you know, I just wanted to reach out to you here because, and then she basically shares with me that she's already working on her ideation for like this new project and, you know, that it's going to be around sexuality and also a couple other things like money and psychedelics and stuff. But when she said that I had this opportunity, right. To go into that space of like, oh, no, 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 no. Like that's what 
what I was going to do. Like, that's my thing. Like, oh my gosh, like you're so much more influential than me. You have such a bigger following than me. Like I shouldn't even do this project anymore because like you're doing it. You're going to do a project that's maybe similar, you know? So like I had that opportunity to go down that path of scarcity and go down that path of competition. And instead that was a moment to like take a deep breath, right? Like back to the breath back to the gratitude, back to the presence and appreciation for your own unique genius. And I responded to her and I just said, amazing. Like I'm all in. Yes. Like you can interview me for your project. Yes. I support this fully. And guess what else? This is so perfect because I am putting out a project so similar. And guess what? Her response was like, amazing. Like how perfect it's all a lot. It's all aligned. <clears throat> you know, there was no oh my gosh, it, like competition or but that could have in a, pa a past version of Ashley, that might've possibly kept me from even pursuing the project. Like I might've gotten that deflated. So I share all this story just to say, there's no scarcity of time. There's no scarcity of creativity. <laughs> your unique gifts are needed. Like your unique genius is needed. And the pace that you're here to do it at, the time that you're here to do it in, just enjoy it, find pleasure in it, relax into it, expand into it. There is just more than enough for all of us. There's more than enough. So I think as mothers, it's so important to remember that because in those moments, going back to like where it's all consuming and it feels like we have no time for ourselves and this, that, and the other, like it's so important to remember that there actually is, there's so much outside of that, like waiting for you. <laughs> um, there's yeah. so much expansion, like there's no, there's no scarcity, like there's no lack. There really is just so much abundance and that it's a feeling more than anything. And we just yeah. access that feeling through like our presence and our breath. So mm. just a word to all the mamas, how amazing you are and how needed you are on this earth and how sacred and important the work is that you're doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you for sharing that story. <clears throat> and yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Mm -hmm. The stories that we tell ourselves about not enoughness and almost the, you know, I'm, I'm really, um, I take a certain angle or lens around a lot of my work and my own process as like interfacing with the nervous system. And I think often about the way that my system has adapted and met the moment as very intelligent in that moment, but then now as a grown woman, actually those patterns that were adaptive and self-protective often are actually keeping me from living into my full self and keeping me from experiencing my most expansive life and keeping me from like living into the calling that God's placed in my heart. 
Mm-hmm. And there's this almost like both and process of like holding holding the grace and the compassion for the intelligence that our bodies and our systems have, uh, you know, put forth in order to like bring us to this moment of where we are and also holding this seed of potentiality that tells me like you actually don't have to do it that way anymore. That doesn't have to be real or true for you anymore. Mm-hmm. And it feels very much like this story of scarcity, of not enoughness. Um, I'm like in the crux of recognizing like and peeling back the layers like over and over again around this because it's so deep. It almost feels, it definitely feels ancestral, like talking about ancestry, mm-hmm. right? Like that at one, at some point, my way back people were without, mm-hmm. and that had a really deep impact on their lives mm-hmm. in such a way that I often feel like there's just not enough whether it's time, whether it's resources, whether it's money, whether it's whatever it might be, like creative power, potential vitality, that like in this moment, a lot of the ancestral work that I'm called to do is around this theme of like Mm -hmm. reclaiming and reorienting towards abundance Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. enoughness. And, um, like the, the recognition that I belong is like, it feels like a big part of it because when you feel like there isn't enough, it feels like there's no place for you there often. Mm -hmm. And I'm almost like brought back to the part of our conversation around death when that comes up, because then I'm like, okay, well, then there's, there's not enough life, right? Mm -hmm. And I've been reminding myself over and over about what it means to reorient towards enoughness, towards belonging, towards, towards a sense of like, vitality that never runs out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it feels like to like almost go full circle here that what's coming to mind now is the prayer that you mentioned earlier which is thank you thank Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. thank you thank you thank you and the, the piece around gratitude actually being the invitation and the turning point towards recognizing all that's good, recognizing the ease, recognizing the abundance, recognizing the, the joy and the vitality and the life force that's available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that so much. Mm. 
to speak to something I think the access point to that for me has always been recognizing that it's something I do that's not based on my circumstances. You know, I was raised uh, in a, a Christian household and have always held close to myself this Bible story um, where some of Jesus's disciples were um, thrown into prison and how they were like singing in their jail cell. Like there was a story of how they were considering it pure joy. Right. Um, And so I've always carried that with me that being in a state of joy is not dependent on and being in that state of gratitude and being in that state of enoughness and that, you know, being in that state is not dependent on having all the money in my bank account, having a stable relationship with someone, having a perfect relationship with my family, having amazing community Yes, these are all the things that we would desire for our lives. And hmm, the superhero, the magic of being human is we actually get to choose how we feel. We get to choose the thoughts we think and what we think and what we feel like this all turns into this state of being. And that state of being paves the way for how you're going to move through life. And how you move through life paves the way for what type of opportunities you'll find yourself running into what, you know, all of that, it just opens up It just, it's the opposite of scarcity when we get into, when we get into gratitude. So that's where, when I'm finding myself, even in a moment of depression, despair, overwhelm, anxiety, existential dread, even when I am like sobbing on the bed because of whatever it is, right? Just being human. Like I say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Even for this. And that orients me to one, like nothing's bad or good. It's all just a part of my experience that I'm meant to experience that I can be grateful for. And two, when I orient to that gratitude it really changes how I experience life. Like it really changes how I get up off that bed and how I move through life. So yes, that expansion, that gratitude, it takes us out of all of that scarcity. And I'm, I'm here for all of that. I love it. Such a, such a important tool for mothers to cultivate, especially. So all of the mothers out there, you know, cultivate, cultivate a gratitude practice cultivate an attitude of gratitude (laughs) it's so simple but it's so powerful yeah yeah and to just presence and name it too it doesn't have to be like a bypassing Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. I often what I often do with my clients and my students is I remind them that as you increase your ability to hold presence for whatever is, mm-hmm. you actually start to like zoom out a little bit rather than having the blinders on, on like everything's going wrong, you know, or like there's this one thing that's in disarray or, you know, I, I really do see it as like tunnel vision on like, well, I've had to adapt 
by focusing and being hypervigilant on all the things that are going wrong, right? And when you actually start to presence your body in a way where you can like notice the sensations of maybe there's discomfort there and maybe there's pain, but you also can suddenly notice that there's places that feel neutral or even places that are experiencing ease and pleasure. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you're having the experience where both are there Mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, there's more, there's more available to me. I have a greater capacity here to Mm -hmm. see more, to experience more. Mm -hmm. And when I actually can orient my attention Mm -hmm. and my focus towards the ease in my body, well, the pain in the body doesn't necessarily go away, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. take up so much space in my attention. Exactly. And that is when more options and opportunities become available to me in my mind when I can actually start to do that reorienting process. Mm -hmm. And it takes some effort. It takes Mm -hmm. some intention, right? But it's, it's such a beautiful reminder. Um, And I feel like that's really what grace is, you know? So Mm -hmm. thank you for, for that invitation. And thank you so much, Ashley, for being here. Thank -hmm. you for making the time and the space as a, you know, I hate to say it, a busy mama, you know, but we all have lots, lots to do in our days. And I, I don't take for granted that you've taken the time to be here with me and with us. So yeah. thank you so thank much. You. I want to open the space too to let you share about how our listeners can connect with you and this new project that you have going. Um, yeah, let us in. Let me know. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's been wonderful to be here with you. And I feel like we could probably talk all day. So of course, <laughs> we'll have to do it again sometime. Yes. Um, yeah, but I there's just so much. Yeah. For anybody that wants to connect further, um, I'm on Instagram at home in the hive home H O M E I N. T-H-E-H-I-V-E, like a beehive, home in the hive. Um, I'm on Instagram there. You can connect with me through there. I also, though, am launching this new project. So new little virtual community. I'm hosting virtual uh, Women's Moon Lodge um, circles each month. And then I'm also uh, working on this wild pleasure guide. So if you want to connect, work through, connect more deeply with, work through trauma around pleasure, sexuality, sensuality. This wild pleasure guide is going to be coming out in August. Um, I have a little mailing list that you can stay, you know, if you want to get, uh, get updates about that, you can go to wildhive.love. That's my new little website, the work in progress, wildhive.love and home in the hive on Instagram. And yeah, so excited to connect with more mamas out there. Hey friend, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Mother Talks. I appreciate if you could drop us a thoughtful review from whatever platform you're tuning into the podcast. It really helps us to reach more listeners just like you. Finally, I'll close by sharing that I am honored to mentor, support, teach, and companion mamas and creative women on a mission to heal their legacy 
through bespoke coaching, somatic education, nervous system nourishment, movement classes, spiritual guidance, online courses, and group work facilitation. Again, you can visit my website at rachelalaya.love for more details. Have a beautiful day.